This episode of Market Foolery is supported by Wonder Capital, an investing service that allows individuals to invest in solar projects across the U.S. Earn up to 11% annually while diversifying your portfolio, curbing pollution, and combating global climate change. Create an account for free at wondercapital.com/fool. Wonder Capital. Do well and do good. It's Wednesday, September 21st. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Mark Reith, and joining me in studio today from Stock Advisor Canada, Mr. Taylor Muckerman. Taylor, hello. Hello. It's a pleasure to see you here. Yeah, it's been a week or two. It's been a while. You know, I've, I usually bring in Jason on Wednesdays, but you just happen to look so striking in that Cardinals jersey that you're wearing that uh, I had to pull you on in. I left my Abercrombie and Fitch at home today. It's, it's probably for the best. <laughs> uh, we've got plenty to get to today, including some not so great news for ExxonMobil and General Mills. Uh, but let's start with earnings from FedEx. FedEx, uh, I think we all know that company by now, one of the biggest uh, shippers, I yes. suppose, in the world. Uh, it's usually considered a bellwether, too, of how the economy is doing. And if that's the case, then seems like things are going pretty well. Uh, things did pretty well at FedEx this quarter. Tell me a little bit about the earnings from FedEx. Yeah, they beat on the bottom line, um, not by a huge margin, but you know, expectations were pretty decent. So they. They came in just above that and uh, raised guidance slightly, mm-hmm. uh, although that does have to do with the acquisition of TNT Express in Europe. Um, so, not just forecasting better business for the rest of the year, but um, just changing a little bit to their forecast of that business, which they do th- they do say that that's moving along very well. Going to be nicely accretive to earnings next year and FY18. Um, but overall, just boosted by, I think, online sales continue to grow and obviously, you're buying online, it's being shipped to you. So FedEx is taking a big portion of that business. Yeah, it makes sense. You know, a lot of uh, factors outside of FedEx's control seem to be working in FedEx's mm-hmm. favor. Like you said, e-commerce growth is leading to shipment growth. Absolutely, and a lot of those shipments go through FedEx. Uh, you've also got lower fuel costs these days; mm-hmm. makes it cheaper for them to ship stuff. Uh, so, and even you know, within FedEx, like you said, they just uh, they didn't just buy TNT Express. I oh yeah, say. it's they, been a little while. It's been a little while. It's about time we start seeing those earnings. Uh, you know, tap into to FedEx's earnings, and a lot of the numbers from FedEx this quarter. Again, even their Without TNT Express numbers, mm-hmm. we're pretty strong. So I suppose all that being said, what's a shareholder of FedEx to do today? If I'm if I'm a FedEx holder, am I buying more? Am I staying put? Uh, am I worried about the holidays? Am I positive about the holidays? What's your take on FedEx going forward? Yeah. So if if I was a shareholder, I would definitely be confident holding shares. I don't know if I would be ready to add to them. The stock looks pretty reasonably valued um, based on the growth that it has seen and growth that they're projecting. Um, but you never know, the surge in e-commerce could continue, um, although Amazon is trying to handle a little bit more of its shipping on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do wonder about that. And then maybe a couple of years down the road, you're looking at drone delivery. So what does that do to FedEx if they're not um, a big player in that market? So I'm confident to hold shares, but I'm nervous at, on valuation right now to add some. But um, they, they do have pricing power. They're raising prices um, almost across the board by three to four, almost five percent in some cases. Um, so you like to see businesses that are comfortable doing that, especially during good times. So I'm confident holding shares if I was a shareholder. Um, but like I said, Buying more might wait a little bit on that. I had a note in my in my notes for mm-hmm. uh, this show about drone shipments. Yeah, and I was thinking, nah, it really doesn't matter to FedEx or FedEx shareholders right now. 
Do you really see drones taking over FedEx and UPS's business here? Do we see UPS and FedEx? And I, this is an honest question. I don't know if UPS or FedEx have any you know, skin in the game yeah. of the drone market. I mean, do you know anything about that? Are you worried, honestly, about drones taking over market <laughs> share from FedEx? Well, I mean, you look at where they make the bulk of their money in terms of price per package, and that's international long distance. So, no, in that instance, drones, I think, are are light years away from taking over long distance package delivery, but inner city delivery, um, express, close regional deliveries um, within maybe you know 25, 35 miles, I could see that being impacted. But again, small portion of the business. Um, but these are logistic monsters, logistical monsters. So um, I have a feeling that behind the scenes they're either working on something or they have some, they have enough cash to then go out and and probably partner or or buy a drone company at that at that point. But I certainly don't think, based on just headlines, that they're anywhere nearly as far along as an Amazon, I would say, in terms of drone delivery um, progress. Watch the skies for FedEx drones Absolutely. coming to a city near you. Uh, let's move on to ExxonMobil. Uh, the Wall Street Journal announced on Tuesday that Exxon, the much-beloved oil and gas giant, is under investigation by the SEC. Now, this is a pretty fascinating case, mm-hmm. not just because ExxonMobil is a huge company and a huge target for the SEC to go after, but because of also the the far-reaching impacts that any sort of regulations or, or, or fines uh, that the SEC levies on mm-hmm. ExxonMobil could have on on different companies and different sectors. Uh, so let's talk about this uh, and let's start with just the basics. Uh, what is the SEC investigating? Yeah. Well, first off, uh, it started an investigation based on the belief that Exxon wasn't properly valuing its assets based on the threat of climate change. Mm-hmm. Um, but then this week, they they tacked on another part of the investigation, basically saying that um, Exxon might not have properly written down its assets in the latest uh, oil and gas downturn since. I guess November 2014, we've seen oil markets roiled by oversupply, OPEC intervention, um, things like that. So, um, yeah, you're looking at possible uh, overinflation of Exxon's assets, both in terms of reserve value um, and the impact of climate change. Okay, so let's approach this from two two parts. Mm-hmm. It seems like this this investigation has two parts to it. It's the overvaluation and it's also the climate change sure. portion. So let's let's start with the overvaluation. So as you said, in the last 2 years, the oil industry mm-hmm. uh, as a whole has been roiled by the cost of oil plummeting. It was yes. $100 a barrel something like 2 years ago. In February, it hit a low of $30. It's up a little bit since then, you know. I think I, I the best way I've read it written was the oil industry is timidly rebounding. At this That's point. Fair. Uh, and, and, but a lot of those companies in the oil industry, uh, as you said, wrote down the costs of drilling for oil yeah. and getting new oil uh, because it was so cheap. Why, why would you drill for oil when oil is selling for nothing mm-hmm. to a certain extent? Exxon never did that. Exxon never wrote down their costs. Why would Exxon not do that? In other terms, what is Exxon gaining by not writing down those costs? Uh, and what could be the cost now uh, if the SEC finds this to be the case? Well, yeah, I mean, when you look at it, um, you could kind of keep share price artificially inflated based on having a higher asset value, higher book value. Um, your shares don't look as richly valued compared to a company that has just written down its book value. So, what you're looking at is generally um, these companies are valuing their proved reserves so these are the highest quality reserves you have uh, then you have um, possible and and, and so there's three different stages of peas uh, but 
to book your assets, it has to be proved. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're supposed to value that out based on previous year average cost of oil. Um, so obviously, in a declining oil market, you would imagine some write downs to to occur. And when you look at um, some of the biggest competitors with Shell, uh, Chevron. BP and Total, those four wrote down fifty billion dollars in assets last year. Exxon, not a penny. So really, um, yeah. No wonder the SEC is a little, you know, yeah. something's got to be going on here. So right? the companies come out and they've said, you know, we tend to be very conservative in originally valuing these reserves. So um, there's the potential that they used a lower cost basis than some of their peers, um, but I don't believe that they may be foresaw like $30 a barrel sure. um, or even $40 a barrel for most of the year last year. Uh, so there there could be some, I don't know if fines would really impact this company, but writing down its balance sheet would right. certainly have some impact, especially because it's just something that the company really has never done. There was a lawsuit uh, in the 90s um, stating that they should have written down their their assets by several billion dollars, and that impacted the acquisition of mobile, um, much to the chagrin of the mobile shareholders. But that case was uh, took too long, and mm-hmm. so the statute of limitations expired. Um, Imagine that yeah, yeah. giant oil corporation mm, delaying. delaying and yeah. delaying until it's too late, huh? They're uh, good at what they do in multiple ways. That's certainly true. Uh, and the other the other aspect of this investigation is the climate change mm-hmm. angle. So uh, obviously, you know, a giant oil and gas company like Exxon uh, is not going to want people to believe that climate change is happening. They don't want people to think that the more gas you burn, the more carbon you emit, the worse off the world is. That's not going to do great things for a business based on burning mm-hmm. fuel. Uh, and so. So part of the investigation is examining if Exxon has more or less lied to investors and to the world about how climate change and its company are intertwined. In other words, uh, Exxon has basically told its shareholders since the 80s that climate change isn't real, and it has predicated its business and how it presents its business to shareholders on that fact. Mm -hmm. But apparently, there's some documentation that that's not even the case that Exxon really believes that. In fact, there's documents that are being unearthed now that Exxon had evidence as early as the 70s that they were impacting climate yeah. change. So how does how does the SEC approach this sort of part of the investigation and what I mean, do you think Exxon really would have misled its investors like that so blatantly? Uh, and if so, again, what does the SEC do about it? Yeah, I believe some of the documentation from the 70s came from some of its chief engineers, chief mm-hmm. scientists, um, that was kind of just covered up. Uh, and that's what I believe started this. First, it was a big news story. Mass media was talking about how Exxon, uh, this big evil oil company, has been hiding the fact that climate change is real for uh, several decades. Uh, but now the SAC is getting involved because, obviously, if um, greenhouse gas regulations start to cut down the, the demand for mm-hmm. gas or oil. Um, this business is going to be negatively impacted. Uh, their forecasts for, because this company does provide multi-decade forecasts, and uh, it's very heavily relied on in the industry, um, because obviously it's the largest publicly traded oil company in the in the U.S., in North America. And um, not just the industry, too. Regulators, yeah, government regulators, regulators yeah, yeah. depend on this mm-hmm. and build climate change regulation yep. On things that ExxonMobil says, yeah, and you've got some of the smartest people in the business working there. Um, so this this has far more impact on industry, I think, than just ExxonMobil because um, I, I I doubt that other companies are really valuing this to to the degree that the SEC thinks they should. Um, 
So whatever happens with Exxon could have far-ranging impact, much more so than just the the asset write-downs that we were talking about a second ago. Well, I have to imagine if Exxon is is telling people, you know, climate change isn't that big of a deal, yeah. and, and we're not impacting it, the other oil and gas industry giants out there are doing the exact same thing. So, you know, theoretically, if the SEC does find that Exxon has been lying about the impacts mm-hmm. of its business on climate change, they could do a couple of different things. Now I've been reading about, you know, some of the like you said, the fines probably aren't going to matter. Not at the for end Exxon. Of the day. Not yeah. for Exxon. Yeah, yeah. It, it's got too much cash on its balance sheet. Uh, what would be much more painful and much more far reaching would be to have some sort of independent or impartial accountant to monitor Exxon mm-hmm. for the next couple of years and force them to be more active about their disclosures on fossil fuels and the impact it has on the climate. That uh, Even just forcing Exxon to do that will probably make the other players in the industry say, well, we don't want investigations. We should just go ahead yeah. and, and do this now. We should be proactive here and start you know, keeping tabs a little bit tighter uh, on our end as well. So, I, again, in theory... While this investigation, at least in my mind, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe you can tell me different, it's not going to have a huge fiscal impact on ExxonMobil at the end of the day. Even shares, after this announcement was made, shares of ExxonMobil haven't really moved that much. It's going to take a lot to move shares. It's going to take a lot. And when you've got giants in this industry ready and waiting for for regulation like this, they've got lawyers on lawyers. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a lot of back and forth with the SEC on this probably over the course of several years. But the farther-reaching impact, in my mind, is what this could do for climate change. Whether you believe in that or not, uh, the fact that ExxonMobil has a huge impact on how the world sees climate change is a very big deal. Uh, And I think it's going to be a big deal for the rest of the industry, as long as the SEC actually follows through. Yeah, that's the big ticket item right there, is uh, can they delay this to the point where SEC just says, all right, hands up, here's a Hundred million dollar fine. Yeah, exactly. Settle this out. We're just going to wash our hands of this. Basically. So, uh, all that being said, I suppose the final question for any sort of investigation like this is: shouldn't should shareholders be worried? I mean, should should investors balk at getting into ExxonMobil or any of the oil and gas giants uh, these days uh, because of something like this? Or again, does it really not matter at the end of the day? Well, with these write downs, um, because they're based on reserves and and valuation of oil, um, it can bounce. Right back. So if they are forced to write it down, oil climbs back to sixty dollars, seventy dollars in the next few years. You're back at square one. Um, yeah, they can they can bring those reserves back up to the proper asset value. Um, and like we said, any fine short of the word billion mm-hmm. um, might not really make a big difference. Um, so. I'm not too worried about this, but it is an interesting argument, and I think that SEC going after climate change is is, uh, something we've never seen before. Yeah, that's certainly true. Uh, It's going to be fascinating to watch this. Uh, Speaking of climate change, what if you could help combat global climate change and make money at the same time? Wonder Capital is the award-winning online investment platform that allows you to invest in solar energy projects across the U.S., Wonder's platform allows you to earn up to 11% annually while diversifying your portfolio curbing pollution, and combating global climate change. Your investment in Wonder's fully managed solar investment funds goes directly to helping U.S. small and medium-sized businesses install solar panels. And as those businesses repay their loans to Wonder, you receive monthly payments directly deposited into your bank account. Individuals who have previously invested with Wonder Capital have supported the installation and long-term financing for a high-end storage facility in Florida, a government office building in Minnesota, 
Minnesota, and many other projects across the country. Best of all, Wonder Capital doesn't take any fees for investing your money. So create an account for free at wondercapital.com fool. That's wonder with a U. Wonder Capital. Do well and do good. Love that tagline. Do well and do good. That is good it's pretty branding. Foolish. That's strong. Yeah, that's yeah. foolish. Exactly. I like that a lot. <laughs> uh, Wonder Capital. Check them out. That's Wonder W U N D E R. Okay, let's go on to our final story of the afternoon. That's going to be General Mills. Mm-hmm. Uh, they reported quarterly earnings. Uh, things didn't look, look too great at General Mills this quarter. And frankly, Taylor, I'm not that surprised by it. Are you? No, not at all, especially when you follow the rest of the sector. Um, I guess sales were down 6% in mm-hmm. the quarter. Fist rate quarterly decline for this company um, on a year-over-year basis. Um, they're down in their staples. They're down in their growth markets. Uh, but then you look at Kellogg's, you look at Smucker, you look at Conagra Foods. So all these all these folks that are um, providing boxed food items, um, prepackaged items to grocery stores, are seeing prices decline or, or results decline. And it's kind of strange because you've seen. Uh, food prices decline as well, so their inputs are going down, but so are their so are their sales and earnings. Right. So, um, it, I'm kind of wondering what's going on because people still are going to the grocery store. Maybe it's just the items that they're selecting are different. Maybe gluten free is finally finally attacking these companies uh, right at their core. I mean, snack bars and yogurt down eight um, percent and eighteen percent respectively. Um, those are two of their growth areas that they have been experiencing. So, um, pretty dramatic turnaround. Cereal down one percent, but it's one of their biggest lines, if mm. not the biggest. So, to see it down anything is impactful. Um, but then baking, soup, dough all down. Um, Kellogg's saw cereal and granola bars down too. So you're, you're seeing this across the board. Um, but like I said, with food costs declining, uh, it should be either stable or, or helping them out, which is kind of. Um, what I'm scratching my head about. Well, I think you you hit the uh, hit the core point there when you mentioned boxed goods. That's what these companies mm-hmm. specialize yeah. in: these Kellogg's, these General Mills, boxes Pe- and cans. People don't want boxes and cans anymore. They want fresh from the ground. Mm-hmm. They want you know uh, organic, gluten free. Health is on a lot of people's minds these days, and General Mills and these giant companies know that. And it just strikes me as odd that they keep on just missing. What the people want, like uh, General Mills, they have YoPlay yogurt. People mm-hmm. love yogurt. Yogurt love is healthy yogurt. for it. Yeah, it's great. It's fantastic, but it's not really organic. Yeah. In fact, uh, they they don't have any organic brands of yogurt. And just slapping the word organic on your yogurt yeah. is probably going to help. Or sales. Greek, apparently. Or Greek, sure. Yeah. Why not? Uh, so, and, and to that extent, you know, General Mills is trying to to buy its way into this market, into the hearts and minds of uh, of uh, people who eat. These days, I suppose <laughs> yeah, generally, everybody, yeah. everybody uh, is, is so focused on this new way of eating, and these these giant companies seem stuck in the past and can't do a thing about it mm-hmm. except to spend money and try to buy companies that are ahead of the curve. But then you, you know, you're not making as much money at the end of the day. To to General Mills's credit, though, their margins looked pretty solid. I mean, they are clearly focusing on cost cutting and trying to save in other areas of the business. Uh, but again, when when sales and revenue and and at the end of the day yeah. profits are down, uh, and you can't really catch up to what the consumers want. You're kind of left in the dust here. Yeah, and uh, you might think, hey, more people are going to the restaurants, but then again, you see analysts, you know, downgrading the whole restaurant sector not, not just a few months ago. Uh, so 
I'm not sure. Are people in urban farming more or, or what's happening? <laughs> oh, people you don't are, urban farm? Or people are just eating it. less. Um, but box goods, yeah, you definitely see more activity around the perimeter of grocery stores these days. Hmm. Um, and then you see uh, a lot of the grocery stores now getting into prepared foods, mm-hmm. um, which uh, if you go to like a Whole Foods or something, that's organic. But other, other grocers are doing that as well. So you can come in there and pick up dinner pre-made from fresher ingredients uh, rather than taking home a can of soup. What was the last time you ate cereal for breakfast? The last time I had cereal for breakfast or any meal. Or any meal, uh, yeah, sure. It was well over <laughs> a year ago. Easily, yeah, same yeah. here. Uh, it's just uh, people aren't as interested in it anymore. So, all that being said, you know, these are a lot of uh, macro reasons for why General Mills isn't doing so mm-hmm. well. Uh, here at The Fool, we like to focus on the fundamentals of the company. Uh, General Mills isn't going to go out of business anytime no. soon, but is, are the macro problems enough for you to say, no investing in General Mills for the foreseeable future for me? Or, or maybe is now the time when there's value and maybe General Mills does buy its way into this market. Uh, what's your take? Yeah, um, you hate to see multiple quarters of declining sales, so that that's one big red flag for me. Um, I would probably wait to see maybe the the tide stem a little bit, mm. uh, and so that I don't need growth, but I do need some kind of stabilization there, and especially across the industry. So um, if you see the industry start to slow, or maybe um, General Mills just reverses course a little bit than its peers, then sure, you might see an outlier and a chance to snap up shares after some underperformance. Um, but macro issues do weigh heavily on a company that, that tries to cater to the broad population. Right. Makes sense. All right. Taylor Muckerman, thank you for being here. You got it. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Mark Reith. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.